0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Straight from the Suburbs podcast. As always, I'm Mo, a.k.a. The Crypt Keeper. So be prepared to be crypt-kept, as I would say. Um, So, yeah, so welcome back, everybody. Um, As always, I thank you for listening, and I thank you all for the positive, kind words that everyone's been sending, asking me, when is part three of four of the um, Straight from the Suburbs Summer Solstice series going to happen? Well, lo and behold, it's happening right now. Um, so this is episode nine in the, um, in the Straight from the Suburbs podcast, but it is episode three of four of my fabulous Summer Solstice series, Hidden in Plain Sight. So weeks ago, I started off with the solar wheel, and then um, just a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, I continued on with um, episode number two for the Serpent Hill. And this is going to be episode three, and it, and it all revolves around Major's Hill Park, so I've, t- I've entitled it Majors Hill Park Solstice Templar Monument. Sounds interesting? Well, be prepared, because I have a lot to talk about today. So the song um, that, that brought us in was a song by one of my favorite groups, the Lillingtons. The name of the song is called Golden Dawn, Knights Templar. And so, as always, the music is always kind of synced up to what we're gonna be talking about today. And so uh, the song by the Littletons, Golden Dawn, Night Templar, it's a great song. So I'd encourage everyone to listen to it and the lyrics are fabulous. And I like how they broke it down into two titles for the same song. The Golden Dawn part, it, it has to do with, um, with Aleister Crowley uh, now he was a major solstice guy, and he was once dubbed as the wickedest man in the world. And he has a great life story, a very interesting man. He wrote a bunch of uh, a bunch of poems and he wrote a bunch of books on the occult. And he started actually a faction of the occult called the Golden Dawn. And he formed that group um, for his own magic with a k practices, dark magic as well. And he was a major solstice guy. So the song and the part of the title of the song, Goes part and parcel to what we're going to talk about with the with the summer solstice series, and the second part of the song, Knights Templar. Now, they're an other interesting group, and I'd love to do a whole po- podcast on them. And this podcast will will delve into them just a bit to make a very interesting point. So you'll see. Now, the thing about the um, the Knights Templars, you know, they were they were forced to disband due to due to their due to heresy claims, um, and there was a connection there because uh, Alistair Crowley was a big big her- heretic. So the name of the song, again, Golden Dong Knight's Templar, it's a great song with some meaning of what we're going to be talking about t- today. Now, Just going back to a little segment that I have started a while ago called Recommended Reading, I'm still on the the year's best horror story series, three out of 1975, but I did get a chance to catch up and read the short story Health of Cthulhu by Brian Lumley, and it's really good. I know in the past before I've waxed poetic about H.P. Lovecraft and my love for his style of writing and my love for his short stories and his novellas and then how his friends picked up when he passed away and started the the whole Cthulhu mythos. And this story really kind of adds into that Cthulhu mythos as well. Um, It's a great short story and it stays true to the Cthulhu mythos. You know, it it relies on an unreliable narrator, which is very much a la Lovecraft and which is really what drawn to me because it makes it very, drew uh, drew him to me because it really makes it for an interesting style of writing, an interesting story. If somebody is telling you the story, of what had just happened. And as they're telling the story, it builds into the current time of them writing either this letter or this story to the loved one, explaining what happened to them and uh, explaining their their future inevitable doom that is, you know, a hair's breast away at the at their door. It's great. So I'd appreciate everyone. If they want to catch up a, a great short story called The Health of Cthulhu by Brian Lumley, please have attic. So continuing on with our summer solstice and the summer equinox series, um, you know, we've been having fabulous weather. So, you know, the sun has been played a major part in these past couple of days. And the summer solstice is around the corner, June 20th, 2021, mark it on your calendars. It's a time to celebrate. Now, I know I've used the equinox and solstice as vernacular titles throughout the past three uh, podcasts that I've been doing. And so people have... Uh, People have been emailing me asking me, what is the difference between equinox and solstice? Again, thank you for all the inquiries. It, it really makes it worthwhile. So the difference is that a solstice is the point during the Earth's orbit around the sun, at which the sun is at its greatest distance from the equator, while during an equinox, it's at its closest distance from the equator. So that's just a, a bit small difference that uh, if when I start talking about equinox and solstice, you'll know what I'm relating to. And speaking of that, lo and behold, there's a lunar eclipse. Well, uh, no, sorry. There was a lunar eclipse on May 26th. I know I went over that. And, you know, not too too far thereafter, this week, there's going to be an annular solar eclipse on Thursday, June 10th, 2021. So the max view in Ottawa is at 540 a.m. Typically, it would last around an hour and a half. So if you want to get up bright and early and check it out, it's going to be great. Now I know I said it's an annular solar eclipse. That doesn't mean annual. It's not happening on a daily basis. This is something that that rarely happens, and it's in fact it's something that's happened so um, so slightly in in comparison to like May twists May twenty sixth lunar eclipse, and now we're having a, a a solar eclipse, not two weeks past. So that's a, that's something very distinct and something very different. Something to be something to be enamored. So when I say annular, it's not annual, it's Latin for, for annulus, which means in a ring shape. So what's gonna happen is, is that during the annular solar eclipse, the moon crosses between the sun and the earth, which blocks the sun rays. So that's gonna cause a ring shape in the sky. So if you wanna get up bright and early and see something that does not happen quite often, you know, tomorrow is uh, is the is the day to do it. So it's something to look forward to, and it's um, it's something that that I'll definitely be be uh, be waking up early for. Now, a solar eclipse it's it's a time to focus on, I would say, on internal change. You know, the sun represents our focus. It's it's our it's stagnant. It's it's our main focus, and it's it's our reliability. So it represents our focus on our most personal desires. You know, uh goods and and other external cells so it signifies our personality our self-expression and the tangible ways that we interact with the world so so hold it true and you know and check it out let's you know it's time let's return to our light and the reminding of our potential our cosmic sense of unity as we explore another local mystery cloaked to our view but made apparent with our enlightened gaze and visit the third of four summer solstice monuments Join me, the Crypt Keeper, as we visit Majusville Park to investigate the Solstice Temper Monument, hidden in plain sight. Ottawa. Interesting place, no? You know, it's it's our nation's capital. You know, it's a, it's a curious town. Yeah, Ottawa has gothic museums, stunning historic architectures, yet there's a lot that goes unnoticed. And I believe that. Whoever is laying out the city plans has an ulterior motive and wants structures that are mysterious in nature and without clear explanation to be hidden, right here in plain sight. It is much of my attention that as of 2013, all the historical information related to the interpretation, commemoration, public art, etc., was all transferred from the NCC, our good buddies at the NCC, the National Capital Commission, to the Department of Canadian Heritage. So essentially, the NCC, they handle, if you don't know from international listeners, they handle all the green space here in Ottawa. And there's a lot of green space in Ottawa if you've never been here. And so it's very rare rare for the NCC just to hand over and transfer all this historical information to the Canadian Heritage Foundation. They did for some reason. Maybe we'll find out later. You know, for that reason, any information about mysterious solstice structures scattered around Ottawa, i.e. Majorsville Park, do not contain any detailed interpretation. And I want to ask, why? What are they hiding? You know, why is there this information blockade? So one structure that I'm questioning is something that I've walked over, and no doubt you have as well, countless times. It's located in Magesville Park, and it's a bizarre concrete pad that from the ground is very nonchalant but only when viewed from an aerial image does its esoteric nature stand out this equinoxical concrete pad has a circle with a with a divisional line and a single dark line pointing towards the northwest it stands out as a carefully crafted solstice monument which interprets an event here in ottawa that is celebrated among many ancient cultures like the mayans the egyptians and the celts throughout history Rituals and monuments depicting the solstice follow themes of religion and fertility. But the question remains, why is an unmarked secret solstice structure located in downtown Ottawa? You now, that's an excellent question. And no doubt you're probably, you know, racking your brain thinking to yourself, I know I know what what what, what most talking about. I know I've been, everybody's been to Majors Hill Park. And so if you could picture in your mind when you get to the park off of Mackenzie, it's like, a, like an egg-shaped, oval-shaped pad and it has, I'm looking at the picture of it right now, and it has this black, almost landing strip-looking line directing to the Northwest. It goes across the park and it catches on to another concrete pad at the end of the park. You know, there's nothing to determine who designed or, or commissioned the odd elliptical concrete pad or why it was built in such an intriguing matter. But with the aerial photos and applying the Sun Surveyor app, the, mysterious, the mystery reveals itself in all its solstice grandeur. So every, I would appreciate if everyone, you know, if they have a chance to to download the download any Sun Surveyor app. The one I use is uh, it's called Ephemeris, E P H E M E R I S. It's great, and it gives you pictures, and you can punch in dates, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. It shows that there's more to the structure as it comes across as a part of some bizarre summer solstice monument that spreads across Majors Hill Park. The Sun Surveyor app shows the calculated line of light for the setting sun on the summer solstice from the primary concrete viewing pad, Mackenzie King, intersects with the other structure. So looking at the photo, the oval-shaped concrete pad is divided into emanating lines from a marked circle with a distinct black line with dashed white lines that points to the northwest. So if, you know, bear with me for a moment. If you stand in the center of the circle and look down that black line, your sight line carries across the park to a second concrete structure that also contains an odd runway for lack of better words that looks like a small airport landing strip you know mysteriously this second runway area intersects with some old stone ruins which i found out are the remnants of colonel by's original home that's where he used to live you know the park was once occupied by the laborers of the nearby Rideau canal which is just around the corner but notably it was the official residence of lieutenant colonel john by until he returned to england in 1832. So Majors Hill Park, it was once known as Colonel's Hill until Captain Daniel Bolton, he replaced Colonel By and moved into his house. You know, so Bolton was later promoted to Major. And since then, the park has been called Majors Hill Park. It's very interesting. I thought that was a pretty cool fact. And so if you're going over the aerial photos, I have multiple aerial photos that I've got from the Sun Surveyor app and even from, um, from Google Earth, Google Maps. It really is quite interesting, just going through the photos right here, when you make a comparison and you could line the two right up. And it's a comparison. The first comparison is just like the actual photo of Majors Hill Park. And, you know, it's pretty nondescript, but you could see distinctly the two concrete pads. And then you overlay the picture of the summer solstice sight lines and it lines up perfectly. It's a straight line. So, on the summer solstice, June 21st, the whole structure at Soul Park will be in alignment with the setting sun. What this means is that if you are standing in the center of the circle on the primary concrete pad, looking down the black line as the sun sets in the summer equinox, you would see the sun disappear in alignment with the pre-calculated and constructed and surely mysterious concrete runway that stretches across the park. Now, I'm gonna stretch you out just a bit more. And I'm gonna take you on a fascinating turn. So bear with me again. So if you were to cast your gaze past the secondary mysterious runway, the line perfectly intersects with another curious structure just beyond it, the statue of Samuel de Champlain at Nepean Point. It lines up perfectly. So one alignment match, you know, that could be coincidence. Two, it's unlikely. But three alignments make for a planned and deliberate and calculated alignment. But why on the summer solstice would there be an alignment with the proud statue of Samuel de Champlain at Nepean Point? You know, it takes three to conspire. And so far we got three equinoxical solstice spots that are all in alignment. It's very, very interesting, especially when you're looking at the photos. And yes, I am working on getting some sort of. uh, photo opportunity for all my avid listeners to to relate to, to uh, they could follow along with me. Maybe again, I'm sounding like a broken record. I'll go on Instagram or something, but you got to check this out. It's so cool. And so I'm looking at another photo and it has all three points lined up and it lines up perfectly. You have the first um, concrete patch, the second concrete patch, just beyond the, the, uh, the ruins of Colonel By's house. And then it lines up and it goes straight through to Napoleon Point, Samuel de Champlain statue. Now, I'll be remiss if I don't explain a bit about the mysterious man. And yes, he was mysterious, Samuel de Champlain. So a bit about Champlain, as he is quite the mysterious Frenchman. There's more to him than meets Madame Comtois's great 12 history class. That was my great 12 history class, where I became a history buff. Merci, Madame Contois. Now, Champlain is known as the father of New France, a navigator, cartographer draftsman, soldier, explorer, uh, geographer, ethnologist, diplomat, and chronicler, among few things, you know, and he founded New France, modern day Quebec and Quebec city on July 3rd, 1608. Now this is what you learn at school, but Sainte-de-Champlain had a great secret. Our beloved Sainte-de-Champlain was part of the ancient surviving order of the Knights Templar. Boom, mic drop, you know, it's amazing think that the de Champlain was part of the surviving order of the Knights Templar it goes back to the name of the song that, that we started off this uh, this podcast with so uh, just uh, uh, I'm going to take you off track for a second and give you a bit of the, a bit of the Templar history it's so fascinating and believe me I'm just I'm just you know um, scratching the the tip of the iceberg on this but um the the Knights Templar they were founded in 1119 in France by Pope Honorius II, you know, and they were formed to protect Catholic pilgrimage to Jerusalem during the Crusades. And they became very powerful because they became almost like a bank and they became very strong because people would give them their money to hold on to because they were heavily armed, they were heavily fortified, and they could make a safe travel from France or, or England or wherever in the west of Europe all the way to Jerusalem during a pilgrimage. So a lot of people gave them their money to hold and this is the, they are in essence like one of the first banks. So they became quite strong and wealthy. You know, and so they become they became too strong and rich for the church. So Pope Clement V he got very upset cuz he was losing power. So he disbanded them in 1312 and he accused them of idolatry using like Baphomet among others. And they also were were accused of using other other idols in their in, in their in the rituals that they were accused of doing, and so in order to claim back power, claim back all the money, Pope Clement V he ordered all of the Knights Templar to be executed. So, but many escaped, and you know they didn't stick around to be to be caught by uh, by Clement. They they went and they escaped all over the world, you know, and they left clues all over the world as well. Uh, you, one could look at the Rosicrucians, uh, Oak Island here in Canada, Roslyn Chample, Robespierre, you know, maybe Nepean Point, you never know. I don't know. So saint de Champlain was sent to North America to establish a new base of operations for the surviving Knights Templar, now known as the uh, derivative Knights of Malta. Upon the supposed amendment of the Knights Templar in 1312, they became the Knights, te- the, Knights of, the Knights of Malta to hide and but to still carry on with their, uh, with their mission. So the Knights Templar had a strong presence in a place called La Rochelle in France, and it was their largest base on the Atlantic Ocean, also where they stationed their main fleet of ships. So whether by coincidence or connection or by hook or by crook, Champlain inherited a large estate at La Rochelle. Now, during my research, I've come across a book entitled History of the Knights Templar in Canada. Now, this book, it was written in 1890. And it is compiled of the historian, it was compiled by the historians of the order. And there is a chapter devoted to the early knights' exploits to North America. It's fascinating. In it, Champlain is listed to be the first of the knights to reach Quebec. I'm gonna read a quick quote from that book. Just bear it with me a moment as I go through here. Ah, here it is. Again, it's not much of a quote, but you know, the the book starts off with some, some reading about um, uh, Fort St. Louis, Fort St. Louis and the ground council of the colony. Uh, and then it finishes by saying, this is what I'm quoting, the first of the knights to reach Quebec was Champlain who came in 1603. It's a small quote, but it means a lot. Now, what will blow your mind, kind listeners, is that the Champlain statue erected at Nepean Point in 1915 after being sculpted by a sculptor, Uh, by the name of Mr. Uh, Hamilton McCarthy, who incorrectly placed Champlain's astrolabe upside down in his his, um, outstretched hand. Very odd. Why, after painstakingly creating a statuesque masterpiece, would a professional sculptor and master artisan place the astrolabe incorrectly, but yet prominently displayed and perfectly aligned with a series of other structures directly on the summer solstice alignment? Is this an equinoxical temple question origin that has remained unanswered all these hundreds of years? So if you take a closer look at the astrolabe, as a result of being upside down, whether done on purpose or not, it shows a shape that curiously resembles another recognizable symbol, that of the cross of the Knights Templar. And you got to check this out. It's again like these, these photos. If you can find pictures of it, or even just go to the pinpoint, it's a beautiful lookout. But the astrolabe is upside down, and in, the astrolabe, can that's what Champlain used to just to figure out length and longitude, north, south, east, west, um, time of day, stuff like that. So, imagine essentially, it's a circle with a plus sign in the middle. But the the plus sign in the middle it's it's very stylized and it looks just like the like the the iron cross which was the Knights Templar almost like the Prince George cross right there. So remember that Solstice Day, mistakenly thought to be the twenty fourth of June, uh, because you know back then the Templars were forced to use the the Roman calendar. You know and so back then it was a special day for the Knights Templar as they revered John the Baptist, which is now uh, June 24th, and were even accused of, of using uh, the beheaded head of John the Baptist as, a, as idolatry, as an idol by the Catholic Church. And they were said to have had, the, as I said before, the preserved head of John the Baptist with them during their heyday. So the church went ahead and renamed the 24th as St. John the Baptist Day, just to erase all knowledge of, the, soul, of the, the Knights Templar. Now keep in mind that, as I said before, I know I didn't explain it that well, but the Knights Templar were mistakenly using the 24th as the solstice, because during the time they were forced to use the Roman calendar. But secretly, they knew that astronomically it fell between the 20th and the 21st. So to the outside, to Pope Clement, they were saying, oh, yes, we're celebrating St. Jean-Baptiste. Well, we're celebrating on on the 24th, not knowing fully well that they were like, ha, Jokes on you. We're actually celebrating the real solstice on the 20th or the 21st. So after uh, Clement disbanded the, the Knights Templar, he went ahead and he rechristened the 24th as St. John the Baptist Day, St. Jean-Baptiste. Now on St. Jean-Baptiste Day, June 24th, 1314, a mysterious band of knights joined Robert the Bruce of Scotland on the battlefield, making his victory at Bonnockburn possible. And that was a big battle. So these mysterious knights, they came out of nowhere. They were very mysterious, and they could only have been a troop of disbanded and in-hiding Templars who had fled to Western Scotland for safe haven. Remember I said a lot of the Templars, you know, uh, the, the, where they were executed, but a, a big amount of them, they escaped and they went to other places all around the world. Keep in mind that Saint Jean-Baptiste was beheaded because he would not give in and sacrifice his principles. Now, this temp- this is a Templar ideal. As is the the constancy and regularity, order out of chaos, and that's what they live by, you know, of the uh, of the and they live by order out of chaos because of the solstices and the equinoxes. That's how the solstices and the equinoxes work in tandem, regularity and order out of chaos. Just like Quebec, who remain tattooed to their to their distinct society. Order out of chaos is, is are the words that they were living by. Now Saint John the Baptist, he's the he's a big man on campus in Quebec. He's the patron saint of Quebec. Now it's no coincidence, coincidence, it's no coincidence that it was founded by a Templar, Simon de Champlain, following Knights of Malta doctrine. So it's it's no coincidence that a a guy like Champlain, a mysterious international man and mystery that he was, he founded a whole land, a whole territory, and what, what was at that point a country, essentially. He founded and he used the doctrine of order out of chaos to create a land for his, I'm saying, for his, his Templar brethren. Now, we have four odd coincidences all linked to, all linked to Ottawa, Ottawa's Grand Summer Solstice Monument a day revered by the Knights Templar, and commemorated with ceremony to mark rebirth and fertility. Part and parcel of the ancient order doctrine, to me, it seems too much of a coincidence that all these elements are associated together, all at one place and uh, and at one specific time. A carefully constructed but unknown solar solstice monument that aligns with the statue of Samhain de Champlain in Ottawa seems to be the work of someone that knew full well of this occurrence and worked it into the landscape of Ottawa someone out there knows what's going on and someone out there did this on purpose so big thanks to all you listeners and Andrew King at Ottawa Rewind Uh, another big thanks to Google Google Maps, Sun Surveyor app Ephemeris app, please check it out and northernway.org and Wikipedia and as always thanks for listening stay tuned for episode 4 of the final piece of my Summer Solstice series coming up on the Summer Solstice itself on the 20th. So everybody, thanks for listening. Stay suburban, stay mystified.